What the fuck is this movie? Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we like to watch old movies that we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sam. You're apparently. This is going to be a great podcast, I can tell. (laughs) I'm Ash. Am I in this? That's Bryce, keeping up the energy. (laughs) Wow, we are off to a fantastic start on this one. So this time around, we are going back to our viewer recommendations. And uh, we've got a movie that's been recommended for the show called Batteries Not Included. And this was recommended by TAC, so thank you, TAC. I was going to ask you, yeah. So yeah, that's who recommended it. And I think this is interesting because this is a movie that I saw as a child and I remember really, really, really liking but it's been a very long time and none of the other people on this show have even heard of batteries not included. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think this was pretty popular at the time, but somehow it kind of, I don't know, fell off of a lot of people's radar. It kind of just visually reminds me of short circuit in the sense that like, I think if you were a child at that age, this was probably a big movie for you. And I think it's not like a, classic classic you know i think that's a a very appropriate category to put it in um looking at my notes here i just wanted to double check yeah i feel like if you if you mentioned short circuit to like today's children they'd be like what the fuck is that yeah exactly Yeah. yeah i think there was a few years ago some buzz about a remake of short circuit which i'm not thrilled about i believe you're talking about wally yeah (laughs) (laughs) not the same thing so yeah, this, uh, this was from 1985, and you know, it, it, I think an interesting thing about this movie, there's been a trend in some of the movies that we've watched recently that, that we talk, or at least I talk a lot about, that I really love movies that are told from the point of view of the child, and this movie is not that. It is, oh. it is definitely not that. But you'll see as we watch it, in a weird way, it's very similar to that. It has okay, a quality. Okay, so we can expect the complete opposite. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you mean that uh, everything that I say from memory is inaccurate, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That everything I think I remember is wrong. <laughs> does Do you it have, have any music great... predictions? Yeah, I was going to say, does No, no music predictions. Sense. But yeah, I think they there's something in the DNA of this movie that's similar to that. So I, I think uh, I think either that will make sense or I'll be completely off base. From my like ten seconds of trying to see if I had seen this movie on the internet, uh, it looks like it was trying to be that Robin Williams movie. Jumanji. With that that really narrows with it down. With the toys. That Robin Williams movie. What dreams may with come. With the toys. Was he? No. Not the toys. Like, it's called Toys, I think. Oh, Toy yeah. Story? <laughs> no, it's called no. Toys. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The, the Robin Williams movie that had toys in it? It's called Toys. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely not compare it to Toys. It is much more like Shirt Circuit than, than I think Toys. 
this is this is I think this could be fun because you guys don't know anything about what you're getting into and I know nothing uh, except I saw excited about that that Christopher Lloyd is in the movie is that true not that I looked like him oh it looked like him on the movie poster when I was looking it up but I it could be a different old man way to stereotype (laughs) old men Ash (laughs) that might be Hume Cronin you see one you've seen them all. So this movie is from 1985, and you know, at first thinking about this movie, I thought, "Wow, we don't really have a memorable director or writer or anything." But then I started doing a little research, and I think there there is some very interesting pedigree to this movie. Um, the The screenplay was written by a very young writer, um, and it was it was kind of co written with with two guys. But this, uh, this young writer wrote this movie, um, and in 1985 and 1987, he wrote a couple episodes of uh, Amazing Stories, which is, um, do, you, do you guys, do any of you know Amazing Stories? Does that yeah. ring any bell? I mean, personally, I know lots of Amazing Stories, yeah. but I doubt that's what you're asking. No? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. So I think it was in 1985, Steven Spielberg uh, produced this TV show, and it was a an anthology show that was a lot like Twilight Zone, like different stories every time, but it had that childlike whimsy quality that you saw in the Spielberg movies of the 80s. And so, so this was written by a guy who'd written a couple episodes of Amazing Stories, and then in 1987... Oh, this movie is from 1987, not 1985. But then two years after this movie, he wrote a little animated movie called The Iron Giant. No and so shit. now we know this guy. This is Brad Bird. And this Whoa. was one of Wait. his earliest projects. Really? So suddenly everybody's interested in this movie. <laughs> yeah. This was co-written okay. by Brad Bird. Sorry. Um, wow. Well, that'll be interesting because the the last Brad Bird live action film I saw, I was alone in not liking, but did not like. What was it? <laughs> Which was Mission the, Impossible Four, Mission Impossible stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, that one so, was okay. <laughs> it's like he writes. I feel like he writes for animation, but it'll be interesting to see what he wrote before he wrote for animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to see somebody make that jump from live action to animation. Is that normal? Or yeah, I feel like a lot a of lot. times. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Well, his live action career before animation basically boiled down to two episodes of Amazing Stories and Batteries Not Included. So my guess is that he always wanted to be an animation guy, and this was a job he was doing for a certain amount of time. Well, the reason why you see a lot of writers come from live action is because animation takes a really long (laughs) freaking time. So like, by the time you get any credits under your belt, you're like half a decade into your career. And you've oh, done yeah. one thing. So you do live action because it's a lot faster. And- gotcha. So as I looked a little further into it, it, it seems to me, I don't have any data to back this up, but it, I think that this movie was probably conceptualized as an episode of Amazing Stories, and then it just grew. Because the director, Matthew Robbins, uh, had directed an episode of Amazing Stories that Brad Bird wrote. He also directed a movie called The Legend of Billie Jean, which I oh my really love. Michael Jackson fame? No. <laughs> but it was that same time, it was that same time period. Do you guys know Legend of Billie Jean at all? 
Uh, no. no. It was a movie. It was a very dark teenage uh, drama thing. It was also sort of a Bonnie and Clyde sort of thing, which you might really oh. like, Ash. Hmm. Yeah. So at some point we might check that out, but at that, that one's a little obscure. Um, so it was directed by a guy who directed Amazing Stories. It was co-written by, of course, Brad Bird and another guy, um, Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, autocorrect messed up this guy's name. I think it's Mick Donald's? Garris. Um, but Mick a, a, another writer from Amazing Stories. Um, and the, the other writer, Ash, you'll be happy to hear, uh, also wrote Hocus Pocus. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So there's some interesting interesting stuff going on here. Is is Spielberg involved at all in this movie? Yeah, so Spielberg is the producer. Um Okay. As well as Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. And we've talked a little about about Kathleen Kennedy before. She's like she produced every movie that you loved as a child. You know. Mm-hmm. Star Wars stuff, Jurassic Park, uh, Indiana Jones, Gremlins, Goonies, Poltergeist. Like, she's like the super producer who's produced everything that you love and worked a lot with Spielberg. So this is that Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, 80s stuff. All in that same category of so many things that we love. Now, the actors here, you guys probably aren't going to recognize. Um We've got, <laughs> yeah, especially because Ash thought it was Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My guess is that was actually Hume Cronin, um, who was, he did a bunch of TV in the 40s and 50s, uh, transitioned to movies kind of later in age. And I think most people know him as the old guy in Batteries Not Included and Cocoon and Brewster's Millions. Hmm. Um, yeah. Th- this, this movie sits right next to Cocoon on the shelf. At, at your local blockbuster in 1990. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. And our other big star is Jessica Tandy, who most people know as Miss Daisy from Driving Miss Daisy. Um, but she was also in Cocoon, uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, she was in The Birds. Um, so that's oh. how long she's been working. So, yeah, maybe not such a recognizable set of stars <laughs> for this age group. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, I did see on IMDb that Luis Guzman has an uncredited role here. So everybody Ooh. keep an eye out for Luis Guzman. <laughs> that should be interesting. Awesome. Who is that? What? Luis Guzman. You like you uh, saw Community, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they built a statue for Luis Guzman at Greendale. Rings Nobel. <laughs> see, you haven't seen Boogie Nights. I haven't um, seen it either, except at your party. Yeah. With He's, no sound. Yes. And it just looks so like you weird. threw a porno up. Have we told up that, that story kind of on the show before? No. It was the weirdest. I've still never seen that movie. And so I go to Nick's birthday party one year, and his favorite movie is Boogie Nights. And he's uh, no, throwing, that's like, not true. Well, one of your favorite movies. It's just movies a great movie. And so we're like... Having a normal party where people are drinking and talking and dancing and music's being played, but in the background is projected Boogie Nights, which if you've never seen the movie, just looks like Nick's projecting porn <laughs> during well, his party. It yeah. is about the porn industry, but... I didn't stop to think that this is a movie about the porn industry, and I didn't realize that some people would think I just had porn playing during yeah. this party. <laughs> so yeah, that was exciting. I just remember sitting on that couch... 
thinking to myself, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? Yeah, choose your movies carefully at your parties, folks. So what sort of predictions do we have for this movie? I think you guys are probably going to like this. Um, I'm not going to put money down on it, but I think it's going to be enjoyable. But also keep in mind, it's been a very, very, very long time since I've seen this. So we'll see. What do you think, Ash? Uh, well, I'm really disappointed to know that Chris Lloyd's not in this movie. <laughs> so my expectations have been severely lowered. Marty, um, where are the batteries, Marty? <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. Like I said, I feel like it's probably going to be like a short circuit-esque type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. What do you think, Sam? Uh, um. I'm a blank slate with this movie. Literally, the only things I know about it are what you told me. And I had very low expectations. And now Brad Bird is involved. So my expectations are suddenly growing. I thought that might make a difference. It it made a huge difference. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, what if I said, uh, hey, let's, did you know that Brad Bird wrote a movie before Iron Giant? You want to check that out? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you start with that? Yeah. My thought about this, there's a lot of movies from this era that, for me, have a vibe of, like, creepy nostalgia. Mm. <laughs> creepy nostalgia. Uh, and I think... Awesome band name, by the way. That's, like, what my memory of uh, toys was, specifically. <laughs> so, I, I that's kind of what I'm expecting, is, like, a movie that's going to try to be cute, but is a little, like, weird. But, gosh, I have no idea what to think about this, because... <laughs> There's just so very little to go on. Creepy nostalgia like Gremlins? Because Gremlins is a little creepy, don't you think? Creepy nostalgia like Michael Jackson. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, now I'm glad Christopher Lloyd's not in the movie. (laughs) Don't compare this movie with Michael Jackson. It's not filmed on the Neverland Ranch? No. God. No, it is not. They never run out of batteries there. Oh, my God. Uh, take it back. Take it back. No, no, I'm proud of that one. So, so what do you think, Bryce? So, yeah, I've definitely never seen this or heard of it. Um, I've seen the first one. I think most of us probably have. Uh, you know, for its time, it was really revolutionary for computer graphics. Um, you know, I, there'd really never been anything like it. Buzz Lightyear and Woody were great characters. Uh, it's a Pixar movie. I mean, it's going to be good, so... All right, so um, this movie is not on Netflix. Uh, I don't believe it's on Hulu, but it can be uh, rented or purchased online. So we're going to rewatch Batteries Not Included, and we'll uh, get back with you in just a minute and see how we feel. Let him go, let him go. That's a bit of a stretch. So we just finished watching Batteries Not Included. And I really, really want to play Galaga. Interesting. (laughs) I like that. You know that scene where all the little robots came down and I was like, I need my little space rocket so I can go pew, pew, pew and shoot them all out of the sky. Oh, okay. okay. And they all like flew in like they do in Galaga. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That, that would have been better. So, <laughs> I don't think Ash liked this movie. I, 
I want my life back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was good. Oh, my but God, really? It wasn't like rocking my world in the way that, you know, my childhood memories told me. Like, I remember it being pretty, pretty great. But this time it was just like, it was all right. Your prediction was correct that it, you know, unlike the other f- type of films that are whimsy like this, it's not told from the perspective of a child. Nor is but, there a child in it. Yeah. But that was the thing I was kind of hinting at is it still kind of had that vibe mm-hmm. where you've got an old person with dementia and you have the same sort of formula as a child. They they see things in the childlike way. Nobody believes them. You know, so it still kind of had that formula, even though instead of children, it was old people. And sort of like Cocoon. I totally agree. It does have that sort of vibe. But the whole movie just confused me because of that. Because I was like, what is your target market? This feels like... It was a child's film made for adults, which didn't make any sense to me. I'm not sure if even they knew what their demographic was. Yeah, the whole idea of like, oh, can't you tell they're having sex now and they're going to have little baby robots. Oh my God, that was so weird. <laughs> not, yeah. It wasn't as awkward as the, uh, the subsequent the stillborn robot scene. Yes, that's a little (laughs) fucking dark. Yeah, like there are a lot of things that were kind of like adult related. It was so sad. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, That was uncalled for. Oh goody, my boyfriend's here. I can't wait to show him this painting you did of me naked. (laughs) What? The thing is like he did, he didn't get her permission and he just did it. And like, that is creepy and Uh, gross and a little rapey. Or how that guy, the artist guy, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but he like doesn't change clothes for the whole film. Everyone else wears different clothes and he's wearing the same shirt through like the whole movie. He's a starving artist. I actually liked most of the characters, but the artist just really got on my nerves. He was weird. Like his whole his whole living there, his introduction was just like, yeah, I'm a tourist in other people's misery. Like, yeah. it's real, man. It's real. And it's just like, no, dude, you don't need to be here. And he always had like the dumbest things to say. <laughs> like, yeah, Frank, you rock or something. Or it was like, okay, thanks, Captain Obvious. You know what happens when birds learn to fly? They leave the nest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? He was drunk. Yeah, because that's what us artists do. Things don't go our way, and we just grab the we bottle just get of wine. So drunk. Yeah, it yeah. was so real, man. Yeah, it was real. Well, it's the '80s. He couldn't do a web show. <laughs> wow! Ouch! Jeez! Thanks, Nick. Thanks. <laughs> it's okay, Ash. You have more than one. It's fine. Oh, uh, I'm mean- just thinking of things that you do when you get drunk. sometimes it's this podcast this movie was too sad like from the very beginning it was like depressing it was like the the sad part of up except it didn't get happy again it was (laughs) it was not only depressing but like boring my god so boring like i don't know i i think you 
were right, Nick, that this was probably something that was developed originally for TV because it really felt like something that should have been 30 to 40 yeah. minutes yeah. stretched I was way thinking, the fuck out. I was thinking about that the whole time because, you know, the one thing that I always didn't really enjoy about Amazing Stories was that it was this anthology drama, but it was 30 minutes long. Mm. And that's just not enough time to tell a story like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seemed like this became a story that was too big for 30 minutes, but definitely too short for a full-length movie. Yeah. Because I wouldn't say it was boring, but there was a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, you've hit this beat, move on to the next. Nope, nope, you're yeah. going to play this beat a little bit longer. Or there's a lot of filler scenes that like didn't really like matter. They're just there to fill some time. They didn't take that time to give us much character development. Like, none of the characters are very well-rounded. You know, like, the best character is I the... I disagree. The best character is the old lady. Okay, so she... Ag- agreed. She has a really great... You know, she's a good character. She's very developed. She has a she's very strong She's the only one who arc. I laughed at when she told jokes. Yeah. <laughs> she had great jokes. Like, actually, since you brought that up, my favorite, uh, my favorite reason ever for Umbrellas and Drinks was <laughs> reasoning yeah. of uh, them not getting watered down when it rains. Amazing. But yeah. everybody else, like, for example, the pregnant lady or the artist or even the wrestler guy, like, very underdeveloped. Like, they don't have a very strong yeah. character arc. And, like, they could have spent some of that time with those filler scenes, like, strengthening their arc and their characters. I feel like they did with the wrestler a little bit. Boxer. The boxer, boxer sorry. A little bit, boxer. but never enough to make me care about any of them. I would say that the main couple I cared about, I think that the two of them were really good and how they were just sort of bearing this loss that they had. I think if this were an episode of Amazing Stories, you would not have the boxer or the pregnant girl or the artist. They just wouldn't be in the story at all if this were a 30-minute thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that leaves us with who actually were the only interesting characters is the old couple. Right. Back back to the um, old guy. I feel like he did have a character arc, especially like in the hospital scene when he grabs the um, mm-hmm. the guy the that's thug. There. It wasn't Bobby. Mm-hmm. No, was Carlos. <laughs> Carlos. Yeah. Um, and she he like grabs him and says, "Oh look, Bobby's here." You know, he's like kind of giving in to her delusion to make her happy because he's you know tired of being cranky and miserable. Well, you know what what I enjoy about them is this idea of you know there are a lot of older people in the world who are just put in these extremely difficult situations that they can't control and kind of being forgotten and overlooked. And I think that story kind of caught that desperation of that thing that happens to a lot of people which goes back to sam's point it's like it's just kind of a bummer yeah you know for the whole movie to be about that but it's i think it's kind of an interesting thing to explore it reminded me of that 30 rock episode with like liz lemon's brother who's stuck in time and the whole family pretends to like be in that time period for his benefit. I don't know if anyone else remembers this, but <laughs> I like, don't remember it that. It just <laughs> reminded me Sounds of that. Sounds pretty great. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Thirty Rock. So you know, thinking of the weak characters, I was just not on board with the boxer guy, who's like all of his dialogue were was catchphrases from commercials. Oh, is that what it was? It, it's interesting that you didn't get that no. because. 
This I thing like was filled it. with references of commercials from the 80s. Yeah. Oh. And it, I guess that stuff just does not. No. It does not find an audience now. But it, it, he reminded me of Bumblebee in the Michael Bay Transformer movies, <laughs> at least the first movie, what? where Bumblebee couldn't talk, but he could play the radio. So oh. he was basically responding to people by like playing bits of radio commercials. And it's like this boxer dude is just basically Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> I Which thought was, he reminded me of um, the the guy from the Green Mile. Yeah. Oh, I guess interesting. I got that too. It's it's yeah. one of the uh, one of those tropes the uh, the the mythic black man you know like he just shows up and like uh, knows mysteriously more than the other characters and like is mystically tied into yeah. the, the plot line. He doesn't talk, so he knows mystical stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Did anyone else notice that like the moral of the story seemed to be that every problem can be solved with violence? Because even, like, the good guys in this movie result to violence when solving problems. Now, mm. I have a question. <laughs> okay. Were all of the main characters in this movie the bad guys? Oh, no. Here we go again. Because they were because, standing like, in the way of progress? Because, like, like fucking move out. Like, what the hell, right? Yeah, because the... I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. The, the, uh, the you don't own the building. historic monument appraiser could tell their building was a piece of shit from the outside. Yeah. And they're obviously living in squalor. And this guy, Mr. Lacey, wants to, like, put up a new building. It looked pretty cool. Like, he's going to create hundreds, maybe even <laughs> thousands of jobs. These people not moving out of their place and just being stubborn are are holding up like the lives of hundreds or thousands of other people. I think that they were the villains. They don't want their shit to be gentrified. Yeah. <laughs> Was it's that like a, a, a Kimmy quote? Yeah, it's yeah. like a season two of Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> the very beginning of this movie with her like pushing the cart through the destroyed r- buildings totally reminded me of that character. Yeah. I, I agree, Brett. Like, I mean, I've been in that situation before where, like, I was living in an apartment and it got sold and I had to move out. And that sucks. But that's life. Like, you're adults. Mm. Like, fucking go get another apartment. <laughs> it's New you York. You probably have to move a lot anyway. Like, come on. But did you grow up there? Did you raise your children there? Have you been there for decades and decades and decades? Like... That's I think it really different. depends on whether you own that space or not. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they, they owned the apartments themselves, just not the building. It was like a... Right. Um, and it's like, go back but... to Goonies. Isn't it the same thing in Goonies? Which is a very yeah. interesting point, Nick, because in Goonies, I definitely cared more about the community <laughs> than I did with these people with this building. Because not, they didn't know each other. That's right. They didn't know each other until they all met over the robot sex. And immediately fell in love. Yeah, they weren't a community. Which is so fucking lame. I'm not calling the people in this movie a community. I was calling the people in Goonies a community. Yeah, yeah, I was agreeing with you. Because they were were pre-established. Exactly. These people had nothing going on until, until the plot of the movie happened. All they do is tell us, I grew up here, but that... That's telling and not showing. And so just because the guy's like, I grew up in this neighborhood doesn't make me care if he has to move. So, yeah, I think they did a poor job 
at like making stakes and making think me care about the characters. Also, mm. uh, one of my uh, my complaints that I have about the the Brad Bird live action writing is that he's bad at writing real scenarios or real reactions for people to have. Mm-hmm. That that reminds me of something I was thinking after, at the end of the movie. Like, this was a Pixar movie. Yeah, if totally this had been an like animated that. movie, much better. I think you would have bought into a lot more of those things. Yeah, from the from the moment that it started with that like old school music, and I was like, oh my god, this feels so very very Pixar, which is hilarious. Yeah. It felt like a combination of Ratatouille meets Up meets like their shorts from the beginning. Yeah, and just kind of crazy. <laughs> it's every every character in this movie was a caricature of what they were, what they really would have been in real life. Yeah, and yeah. N- not in a great Hollywood kind of way, but like the old woman with dementia is like pleasant and kind of fun to hang out with. You know, the the uh, the gangster isn't actually tough. He's kind of like a bumbling idiot. Uh, you know, the the, the <laughs> he's a Home Alone villain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like none of these people are real people. And so I think that might be why it's hard to connect with. And had that been animated, animated characters. It would have been lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also that's, Pixar that's is a lot tighter with their character development and story. And like this, this is yeah. clearly not yeah. in the ballpark of being yeah. that tight. Oh, true. Yeah, no one's calling but, it a Pixar no. film, but it's like... But you can definitely see the structure and the bones. It was not yeah. as bad as I thought for a movie that I had never heard of that was from the 80s that was like about robots, which was kind of an 80s trope. It was significantly more well-constructed than I thought it would be. I'm not mm. saying it was great, um, but it was certainly exceeding my expectations. I really felt like the the performances and the staging, especially for the first half, but I think for the whole thing anyway, it felt like a play. It felt a lot like a stage play. In a bad way, though. No, I thought it was kind of charming. Like in a way that some of Hitchcock's movies felt like that. Had that been on the stage, it, it would have played a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I like the thought of it being a play, actually. In yeah. the way that um, Rear Window felt. You know, Ooh. Rear Window just kind of feels like a stage play. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah there's it, something charming about yeah. that, at, at least it, for me. Yeah, this did kind of remind me a little bit of Death of a Salesman. You know, like these old people are clinging to the past and they're very really sad and just not wanting to face the reality of like how much time has passed. And So were we enchanted and enamored by the the magic of tiny flying saucer robots? No. <laughs> so so were they CG or were they stop motion? They're stop motion. They're stop motion? They're yeah, definitely green screened in. For oh, sure. yeah. There absolutely. Was, yeah, there but was some early composite work yeah. there. They didn't move as like the way stop motion. No, it was like that. It was that, that, that black matting thing like on the old Star Tours. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. the, what they used for it. Yeah. But there was definitely like one really bad matted scene but i only saw the one when and they're the flipping burgers okay. uh that one i think that was i think that might have been a puppet that was a puppet no that was a yeah. broom handle that had the flipper burger flipper on it and they matted the thing over it but they did a horrible job and you can still see the broom mm. handle oh we i thought rewound- they were like whole- I thought they were just holding the model and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the teaching the babies to fly 
there was some rough compositing in that. What about when the one, the guy becomes, like, accidentally gets mixed into a burger and, like, walks off the counter? Oh, yeah, that was really yes. bad. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Uh, however, I am kind of impressed with the simple scene where the old couple was sitting in the coffee shop reading and the little robots come in and like fill up their coffee and like bring them the paper and all that and they animated the coffee pouring out and they animated the coffee in the cup around the lady stirring her spoon Mm -hmm. and it's like why did you take so much time on such a simple (laughs) insignificant scene and they definitely had their lighting game on point there were a lot of like Really close-ups of somebody, like, leaning into where the the flying saucer would be and the flying saucer rotates and their little headlights casting on the actor. Oh, yeah. Considering that. They had that on point. The the effects were pretty good. Yeah. I've seen much, much worse on on the Madden game. Yeah, for the time and and the budget they had. And, you know, I I think there's something uh, charming and whimsical about these little flying saucer characters that... You can see why it resonated with me as a child. Yeah, they were certainly you cute, know. and they were kind of like, they did have little personalities. I wouldn't say it's pushed as far as like other non-speaking animated characters like the Minions or even Wally, but it was yeah. definitely kind of, it had that vibe. Yeah, it's definitely a proto-stage of things we saw later from Pixar. Yeah. and And that image of, in this case, a, a small apartment building, but in the case of Up, a little house, just mm-hmm. still there, surrounded by all of the skyscrapers. Yeah, it's that like scene. The like... same image. Yeah. 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 I had to actually check, and you're right. Like, Brad Bird had nothing to do with Up. And it's weird because, like, that's clearly, there's a very clear link there. Yeah. It feels Wally like Up too. could be a continuation of this movie. Brett, did you like how they snuck the movie title into the movie twice? You always call that out, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty painful. I didn't know you were into that. I saw a supercut recently of when people say the title of the movie uh, in the movie. I don't know if you could say I'm into that. Uh, <laughs> More like it's horrible and it should stop. I don't, I, I don't know. know. My like, favorite one of that is recall, recall, recall. <laughs> I like the uh, Dr. Grant. My dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Well, <laughs> that's a great moment. Those are a little, that's a little different, I think. That's different because yeah, the movie are, is awesome. So yeah. you give it a pass. Same it, with like yeah, Total I think, Recall. I think a movie with like a proper noun name that's about said proper noun can get away with it. Yeah, that makes no. sense. But this when is you're just like, pull just a line out of the script. Inserting. When it's like a catchphrase. Yeah, then it's just bad. Yeah. I just finished reading The Hunt for Red October, and there's actually a line in the book where they were talking about one of the Russian sub-commanders chasing, and he's like, he was clearly engaged in The Hunt for Red October. Like, you really Uh, just wrote that into, like, the prose of the story. It was weird. (laughs) Clearly in the movie, they were like, cut that out. Yeah. Not that So, speaking of, like, weird compositing... I guess we can't call it Photoshop, but photo manipulation. (laughs) The whole opening credits where it was clearly like some old photos, but they just pasted Hume Cronin's head on these photos. Yeah. My favorite one was where he was holding a baby, but they didn't get the scale right. And his head was huge, like four times (laughs) the size of the baby. I'm like, ah. 
they were definitely weird sized heads. And I, I wouldn't like, be surprised if you could like go back to uh, other movies he's been in and find those respective heads. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my it's, Photoshop heads. It's just weird because like I don't even think that was necessary. Like the old timey photos. No, I don't like, either. Like they weren't effective. Like I I get what they were trying to do with them, but they weren't. They didn't work. Well, it, it, it was out of sequence with uh, with meaning. Like, we, th- the photo montage would have had more meaning if we knew that he exactly. was going to be the main character of the movie before it, it appeared. Exactly. <laughs> or exactly. if they had actually, like, staged fake vintage photos to, like, tell a clear story. The problem is that they, like, in the amount of time they were on screen, you couldn't understand the story that they were trying to tell you know and it didn't like show the pictures of them building the cafe it didn't show the cafe like being popular and like it didn't really tell that story like it was trying to yeah and and i think that would have helped i feel like the cafe was also a a story element that was like way underused that they could have really played up more as you know as a stake for this character. Like, I don't want to lose my business. Like, you know, my family, I raised my family in this business. Like instead it was all about, I grew up in this neighborhood and very little (laughs) emphasis on the business itself, which I feel like is a higher stake for him than I lived, grew up in this neighborhood. Oh my God, guys. Oh my God, guys. Imagine this movie remade as a Bob's Burger episode. I was just thinking <laughs> that exact... I was so about to say that. They are. No. Mi- they have got to do an episode of Bob's yes. that has little flying saucers but in can the, the cafe. Robots, can the robots be Bender from Futurama? <laughs> he just comes in and fucks everything up. <laughs> or it's like, maybe that's how Bob's Burgers ends. Like, all three of the kids die. Oh, God. And they're all oh, old. Oh, no, no. Take it back. Tear take down Bob's back. Burgers, but the little flying saucer's coming. Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, Too dark. And there's Teddy at the counter having a burger. What are these flying saucers, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> Bob, my hamburger just walked away. <laughs> Oh, that's got to happen. I want to see that episode. Oh, my God. So here's my question. Where did that dog come from? Seriously. Oh, whose I have dog an is that? <laughs> I have an I answer. I that as well. I, I paid attention. <laughs> so <laughs> somebody did. Thank God. Do you have an answer to the question? <laughs> yes, I do. So the, the boxer guy, he called the little baby robot into his pocket with a dog whistle and then they're out and he's blowing it and you hear all the dogs start barking and then the dog comes running up because he was blowing a dog whistle and then it just kind of followed uh, them around so the city. So he just stole some dog. Yeah, he just stole some of the dog. a dog. I think it was a stray. He didn't look very uh, welcomed. It's interesting if you look at this movie as a, an, an early project by an artist who's just going to get better later. And you can kind of see the sparks of what he will become later. Totally. I saw the bones there. Yeah. There was potential. It's, it's got the heart of the Brad Bird that we know and love. Yep. I guess I guess you guys saw more than I did. because You just really dislike this movie. 
honestly, it was really hard to get through. Like, if if it yeah. wasn't for the podcast, I would have stopped watching it 20 minutes in. Like, <laughs> I was done 20 minutes in. I'm sorry. I wonder, I don't even know how long it was, but I wonder if they trimmed like 30 minutes out of it, you know, and just tighten the better. whole thing up. I think it, it would, would be, be a better. lot better because it just, like... Like I said, about 20 minutes, and I paused it, and I was like, 20 minutes, and we're finally getting to the inciting incident. Like, it took a really long time for everything to happen, and it felt very, very stretched out. Yeah. Which just, it was really, and you know, that also speaks to like more modern day film nowadays. Like, things really have to be a lot more fast paced you know, we're taught to have a short attention span. So for me, it was like really hard because that's a different style of filmmaking. I think the thing is, is that I've seen that style of filmmaking done really well before. And it's the, the, the movies where half of the movie is spent just really getting to know the characters before the, the plot happens, you know, like there will be blood. I was just going to say, you're talking about there will be blood. Yeah. I, I wasn't. That's funny. I was thinking if there would be blood too. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, a good example of it for sure. Yeah, yeah but um, th- and I that's a movie that you're into here. because of character. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody thinks of there will be blood because of the engaging story. But like this, this movie, you knew what the plot was in inter- like right away. You knew what the plot was. You know, it was a little meandering and like hard to hard to follow. I think for the first few minutes, but. Uh, you're like, okay, everyone's getting kicked out. And then they spend, yeah, half an hour yeah. on like, now it's time to meet the people who are being kicked out and watch them meet each other for the first time. Yeah. And like, that's boring. Totally. And like, you've lived in this building for how long and you guys don't know each other? Come on. The yeah. only Come people on. that knew each other moved away. Yeah. 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 Also, kind of sad, why was the neighbor taking care of that guy's wife? I don't know. I wanted to know their relationship to them so bad. Were they just yeah. neighbors or were they like relatives somehow? Yeah, I assumed they were relatives, but that was only just to make it make sense. Yeah, it was yeah. really... And like, I can buy that they've been friends for 30 years. You know, if they've been in that building that long. Yeah, but the neighbor was giving his wife medicine. I wish I could think of a more modern example, but like, I love Lucy. Like, uh... I forget the name of the the neighbors, but they were like completely best friends. I could Ethel see them. And, uh, Ethel, yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, you could see Ethel taking care of Lucy when she's like seventy years old because they've lived in that building together. Okay, I buy it. All right, yeah, you've convinced me. I'll allow it. Yeah. I just wish it was clearer <laughs> as to what their relationship was. Like even... they should have taken a little longer before no. having the uh, call to action. No, they should have just written it better. <laughs> like I think it was they they took the the supporting characters that like I cared the most about right off the bat and mm-hmm. just kicked them out of the story. Yeah, totally. And then, and then replace them with that shitty artist and the pregnant lady. Who have known each other for like 48 hours and apparently are already in a blossoming relationship. Yeah, I hate stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I I love Tarzan, but the thing that always bummed me out about Tarzan, and you see this in a lot of movies, it's like, you're the first woman I've ever seen in my entire life. You're my one true love. That at least makes more sense than the girl actually going for it. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But it's like, 
I don't know. My girlfriend just walked out and my neighbor across the, uh, across the hall, now we're in love. Yeah. It's like, that's a little too convenient, guys. Mm. She saw through his soul by looking at his art. And they have an unbreakable connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to say this was a flawed movie. <laughs> um, I think when we hold this up to the test of, of what this podcast is all about, I think this is a movie that appeals to you know, an eight-year-old in 1987 in a way that does not appeal to adults today. It's so weird because I think if I was eight and somebody sat me down to watch this movie, I don't think I would get through it. But he said in 1987, which I feel like is a key component to enjoying this movie. Yeah, maybe. If the other movies that you've seen and loved were like A NeverEnding Story and The Goonies and stuff, like this might fit in. But if you're used to like Jurassic Park and Transformers and Pirates of the Caribbean, this is going to be slow. Yeah. This is also a movie that's solved if even one person had a uh, a smartphone. And, like, <laughs> they're just like periscoping this guy, be, like trashing their bar and being like, oh. haha, I work for this developer. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And also there's this phenomenon, at least from my childhood, I bet you guys had this too, where... There were a lot of movies that you saw, but you never saw the first 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You yeah, because if you, you sat down at the point that the robots came in, then I could totally believe that you exactly. would watch it as a kid. But the first 20 minutes of the film is very like adult stuff, adult dialogue, very like not directed towards kids. Yeah, so I think the little kid me really loved these little flying saucer robots, which, you know, another thing, a Brad Bird thing, you know, we never found out where the Iron Giant came from. We never found out where these little flying saucers came from. And that shit just doesn't matter. You know, I really like stuff like that. Like Cloverfield. It's not a movie about where that monster came from. It's like everybody who works in animation kind of regards it as like one of the best modern animated films that's your that's your character development that you were missing in this movie it's it's all an iron giant and and thinking about it all a lot of the characters all are also like wildly overacted in iron giant but it works so well because it's animated well that's what you yeah. have to do in animation because you don't have to do it but it's it's it works. boring when you don't uh, but i don't know i would i mean I don't want to talk too much about Iron Giant because one, this is not about Iron Giant. And two, I don't want to spoil it for Ash. But there is some action-y stuff in the beginning that especially appeals to kids. That's okay. not as slow as this movie, for sure. And it, I'm sure I mean, it's not as slow as this movie. I believe you, for sure. <laughs> and this this conversation is kind of about Iron Giant. We have to look at this movie in the context of, of Brad Bird's other works. True. I had this for for a little bit. I don't want to go super deep into it because I don't think it quite pans out the way I thought it was going to. But I I totally had this thought partway through the movie that like all that stuff at the beginning is like so like real and depressing. And then they go to bed and then instantly like zany shit happens. Oh and no, the are they dead? Appear. It's all a dream. And I was like, this is just like this lady went to bed and is having like a weird dementia dream with space oh, aliens no, and flying bro. robots and a building that burns down and rebuilds itself. And like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm. I was just like, there, it went from real to zany and never came back. And yeah. I just, you could do a recut of this movie where they have that whole setup, they go to sleep, and then Carlos comes in and busts those gas pipes. And then there's a gas <laughs> leak. <laughs> and then oh, the rest oh, of the movie no. plays out. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, so, it's so much more likely, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to do a whole re-edit of this movie, just taking all the same scenes, cutting them in a different order. And we get a whole called batteries not included. There were no robots. <laughs> they just burned these old people to death. You're terrible. Yeah. Why are you laughing at burning old people to death? You're, <laughs> You're laughing too, Ash. Oh my god. Uh, good times. <laughs> Final thoughts. Yeah, and I think I've I've said mine. I think it's, you know, we can see why it resonates with a child and, and not an adult, you know, Bryce in the 25 no. or 30 years at a fest. Bryce is shaking his head. Yeah, he, he was not a fan. Um, it was better than expected. Yeah, definitely slow. I, I can see how at the time it was appealing to kids, and I can see how it will not really appeal to kids nowadays. And I think the story kind of makes sense as to why we haven't heard of it before. Like, it's not super exciting. Yeah, so. I can see why it didn't have sting power. Yeah. yeah. Did you just I say sting power? Staying. <laughs> Staying power. Oh, okay. Sting power. <laughs> yeah, this, it wasn't quite a kid's movie, and it's not quite a drama. It wasn't really a comedy. It didn't really have a lot of action. Uh, it was just kind of a neutral movie mm. all the way through and then sad. So I think, oh, that reminds me, uh, at the beginning I made a prediction, and I think I might have used the wrong word because watching it I definitely felt that that the weird nostalgia mm. of like they were shooting for this, you know, nostalgic feel to the movie and make you feel warm and fuzzy inside that these little aliens came and made everything better. But it was under this cloud of depression and like kind of weird vibes. Like at the beginning there, the, what's that? Not Bobby. <laughs> that's, that's my Carlos. name for him is not, is not Bobby, Carlos? not Bobby coming in and making all of like being super rapey on that chick. Like, and all those guys were like touching her on her way into the building. Yeah. And, yeah like, that was this, really dark yeah and and it, it's it's too dark for the rest yeah. of the movie to even like brighten it yeah totally uh yeah. so i i i'm i'm happy that well i'm sort of happy that one of my predictions was true but also not happy because i wish it was different <laughs> <laughs> gosh i want to say i liked this movie because there was a lot to like but there was just too much not to like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, kind of, kind of below par, I think. The but, scales uh, weighed on the not like side. Yeah. What do you think, Ash? I it's yeah. I don't. <laughs> I just can't. I didn't. I. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. I can't. I think. I think the idea of it being as a play would have been a lot better. I think it would have been really interesting as a play, but I think as mm. a, a live-action movie, for what it was, it just really didn't work for me. That's a really good point. I think play or even animated film. 
this yeah i mean i think even as an animated film it needs a lot of story work like i don't think Mm. i don't i just i don't think personally this movie would be made today um i think it but i don't think it would stand the test of time i think if they really chose a main character and sticked more with that um and developed it more it could be made into an animated film but i i don't think as is up is not this exact film right no it's a sequel to this film (laughs) yeah Yeah, after the wife died yeah Mm -hmm. so i know i know now i just i just had a thought i know what this movie reminds me of uh willy wonka and chocolate factory what these people are living in like this horrible like destitute like poverty and the first half of the movie is just really depressing Mm -hmm. and then like he's like oh yeah i won literally just a fucking tour of a chocolate factory my life is better and like the only thing that could make the movie actually better at the end was this completely insane like oh hey guess what you also get the chocolate factory and like that's how this movie was (laughs) (laughs) yeah you are absolutely right yeah like they burned it down, and the only thing that can make it better was just like, oh, magically, that yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a Deus Ex Machina, super. Yeah. But it was like so obvious that that was going to be like, like from the beginning of the movie. Like there was no payoff to this film. It was so obvious. Literally the machines. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, literally machines, ghosts in the machine. Yeah. Okay, I'm done laughing at my own joke. What did you think, Bryce? It stinks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, there you have it. Bumblebee. It was pretty hard to get through. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, so there you have it. Um, so thanks, Tech, for the suggestion. Um <laughs> Ash hates you now. I hope we didn't just tear apart something that you love. Uh, If you do feel like you disagree with us, um, maybe watch the movie again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wonder if you're remembering it well or... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we do very much enjoy getting suggestions and uh, we'd love to hear more. You can tweet su- movie suggestions at us at Let's Rewatch, and we'll judge you, apparently, and <laughs> your movie choices. No, well, just kidding. We won't judge you. We'll just judge your movie. We'll just judge your movie. We do have more suggestions building up, so get them in there. You can also email them to us at Let's Rewatch at gmail.com as well. It's also Let's Rewatch at puppies.supplies. <laughs> make sure you cc chunt with six t's yeah and make sure you check out the rest of the cool stuff we do we have a youtube channel uh where we have a drinking show and a cooking show there's video game parodies uh we all have personal twitters as well if you want to shout at us on the internet uh and tell us how wrong we are yeah mine's uh bread eagles mine exists Sam L. Wilson. Ralph knows. I tweeted at him. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Third tweet ever. I'm at at one wheel Nick. I'm at Ash's Stash, and you can follow Laugh Stash at Laugh Stash TV, and Bryce is at Eggnoff. Don't ask. 
So if you liked our podcast, please go ahead and give us a review on either iTunes or Libsyn or most recently Stitcher and Google Play Music. Mm. That's right. And we'll be back here again in another two weeks. Uh, We do this every uh, other Friday. So make sure you subscribe and we'll be back here in another two weeks with another episode of Let's Rewatch. Next time, we'll be watching The Ginger Dead Man. Oh my god. Ginger Dead Man? (gasps) There's four of them! There's four of them! Did you say Gary Busey?